Good morning. Let's go again to the Lord in prayer. As we come before you, Father, to listen to your word and to share your word, we say that we are dependent on you for everything. Everything in our physical life, everything in our spiritual life, including understanding and applying your word. We come, therefore, in humility and asking that you would help us today. We also come in confidence, knowing that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. Amen. So today we finish the series. We've been going through the Gospels and the four Gospels and Acts. Just to recap where we've been over the last four weeks, we started in Matthew and we found that Matthew had lots of Old Testament scriptures which foretold details of Jesus' life. So God had planned for Jesus' coming. We also read of the wedding feast, the invitation which went out to all those who had initially been invited, who rejected it, and then how it went out to the crowds of people without any restriction. We also looked at the part in Matthew 11 where Jesus said that only he reveals the Father to us. So come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So they would have the rest of peace with God. Then in the book of Mark, chapter 8, Jesus gave a gospel invitation which told people they must deny themselves and lose their lives to save their lives. And what profit is it if they were to gain the whole world and lose their own souls? And also that whoever was ashamed of him, he would be ashamed of when he returns in glory. In Luke, we read the very personal invitation that Jesus gave to Zacchaeus. and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. I must stay at your house. And we saw how that was life-changing for Zacchaeus. He changed from a money-grabbing, deceitful man to a generous, honest man. And then in John, last week, we read about Jesus' invitation again to the crowds. Anybody is thirsty, come to me, and I'll give you rivers of living water. That he spoke of the Spirit who would be given to all believers. Today, as we go through Acts, we'll see some examples of those teachings from the Gospels in Acts. So today we'll finish the series and sort of tie things up a little bit. As we go into Acts, today I want to focus on the effect of the gospel and the effectiveness of the gospel. The effectiveness or the power of the gospel is shown by its effect on people. And I've chosen three effects 
The first one is the opposition to the gospel. And you might be wondering, well, how does opposition show the power of the gospel? Bear with me. As I go through today, I'll be using a number of scriptures. I'll be probably moving through them too quickly for you to turn to, but you can try. Um, There are several where I would like you to turn to also, but I'll let you know when those come up. So let me start in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 verse 14 tells us, And more than ever, the believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Then down to verse 17. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. So the first type of opposition is the jealousy of the Jews. And why were they so jealous? Because the gospel was so successful. Multitudes of both men and women recognized the invitation in the gospel was from God and that Jesus was from God and multitudes believed. There's another example from the life of Paul over in Acts chapter 13. Again about jealousy. I'll read from verses 44 to 45. Now just as a background The previous week, Paul had spoken in the synagogue. And then on this next Sabbath, it says, Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. So again, you have this great success of the gospel. So many people turning, turning up to even hear it before they believed. They were so keen to hear it. But the Jews saw, and they were jealous. Another type of opposition which shows the power of the gospel is the angry business people. First, from Acts 5, you remember the story of the fortune, sorry, Acts 16. You remember the story of the fortune teller. She made money. For her owners, she was a slave girl. And for some time she followed Paul and called out things about them being the servants of the Most High God. At last Paul turned around and cast the spirit out of her. Verse 19, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates. They said, these men are Jews and are disturbing our city. They were more interested in their own profit than the fact that this poor slave girl was a a slave also to an evil spirit. Rather than taking the miracle as a sign that Paul was preaching something useful and powerful, they decided to hang on to their worldly wealth, to chase the things of the world and ignore Paul. But I believe that 
servant girl, freed from the evil spirit, would have probably continued to become a believer in Christ. So the hope of gain from her was gone. And then another type of angry business people we find over in Acts 19. That's a story of the Ephesians. Remember there was some silversmiths there, one called Demetrius, and they made little idols for the temple, little shrines. And uh, this uh, Artemis, sorry, this Demetrius, called together his fellow businessmen Verses 25 and 26. These he gathered together with the workmen and similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And verse 28, when they heard this, they were enraged. They heard this and we were enraged. Why were they enraged? Because the gospel was so successful in changing people's lives. People realized that goods made with hands are not God's. And they recognized that God had sent his son to save them and give them the things that they needed in life and eternal life. So this opposition shows the power of the gospel. If the gospel was not powerful, there would be no need for these people to oppose. Their customers had changed lives. But again, these people, they preferred to seek things that made them rich, even though they lost their souls. The king's invitation went out, and they rejected it. The second effect on people's lives that shows the power of the gospel is rejoicing. Rejoicing shows the power of the gospel. <clears throat> Acts 8 has a story of the Ethiopian eunuch. You know that um, Philip had been told by the Spirit to go and talk to this eunuch who was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the man, when Philip joined him, asked, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And so Philip got a chance to share the gospel with the eunuch. I'll read from verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way, rejoicing. Why do you think he was rejoicing? Because he'd heard the gospel, he believed it, he'd had his sins forgiven, he was given the Holy Spirit, as all believers are, he had eternal life, to name a few things. He rejoiced 
because the gospel had effect in his life. Another person that rejoiced is over in Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer. I'll read that passage and this is a good one for you to follow along with it, a bit longer one, verse 25 to 34, Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now here's a man on the point of taking his own life. Here's a man to whom the words of Jesus would really apply. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. If ever there was a person who was heavy laden, it was this man. Verse 28. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced, along with his entire household, that he had believed in Jesus. He had received the rest from Jesus, the rest that Jesus promised. He had come to know the Father through Jesus and through forgiveness. Again, like we saw in the Gospel of Luke, it was a personal invitation, just as the Zacchaeus had been. And it was life-changing. Let's get back a couple of chapters to Acts 13. <clears throat> Just to set the scene, we'll read verse 42. Remember that Paul had been there the week before, preaching in the synagogue, told them a bit about the gospel. This week, actually. As they went out from that synagogue, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. The people begged to hear the gospel. They'd heard a little bit. They begged. To know more. That shows the power of the gospel. Over, continue on in verses 46, I think it is. 46 to 48, yes. If I can find the right to start. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, and that's to the Jews were causing trouble. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, like those who reject the king's invitation, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. 
For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. When the Gentiles heard that the gospel is not restricted to a small group of people, one race, Jews. The gospel had heard that they were begging to hear more of. When they realized it was for them, too, it's for me, it's for us, they rejoiced. And how terrible it would be if the gospel was only for one select group of people. And we were left out, wouldn't it? We can rejoice along with them. That the invitation goes out to all. Glorifying the word of the Lord, or the word of the Lord usually in Acts refers to the gospel. Well, it's not only people rejoicing about their own salvation that shows us the power of the gospel. They also rejoice in other people believing the gospel. We've got the story of Cornelius back in chapter 11. Um, remember Paul had been there in chapter 10 and gone to Cornelius' house and preached the gospel to them. And then he'd gone back to Jerusalem and there the circumcision party heard, hey, we heard that you were eating with Gentiles. That's a big no-no. And so Peter had to explain himself. So in verse 15 to 18 of chapter 11, Peter talks. He says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as, a, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Similar to our message last week, where all who believe will receive the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they were fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. They didn't begrudge the fact that the Gentiles were also given repentance, but they glorified God about it. One other example from the life of Paul. Acts 15, verse 3. Paul had come back from his first missionary trip, come back to Antioch and was about to go up to Jerusalem to sort out some problems with the circumcision group. Verse 3, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. Great joy to all the brothers. It wasn't their own salvation. They'd been changed, you see, to think not just of their own selves, but to delight also in the successes and good life of others as they believed. These people had their lives changed. Their burdens were gone. They had eternal life. And their sins were blotted out. The third thing that shows the effectiveness of the power of the gospel 
its effect on people is people's desire to share the gospel, even after suffering. Acts 5. Remember those early disciples, they preached on the day of Pentecost and many people were saved. And then they preached again and were arrested after they'd Peter and uh, John, I think it was, had healed the man, the lame man. And then they were let go. And then in Acts chapter 5, down in verse 40, after they'd been arrested again. When they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is God. That shows the power of the gospel because it wasn't something that suffering could put them off from shearing. This is too good to keep to ourselves. Even if it means that we suffer, we must tell others this good news. And so they continued. A little bit later, Stephen was stoned. Paul had a hand in that. And after that, a great persecution rose up against the church. We read of it in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And what did those who were scattered do? Verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They were scattered because of persecution. Did they think, well, we're being persecuted if we talk about this, let's stop? They couldn't. The good news was too great. And so they kept on spreading the word. So all all these three effects, the opposition, the rejoicing, and the desire to share, show the effectiveness of the gospel. And I haven't even mentioned the large numbers that came. 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, up to 5,000 a couple of days later. Often in the book of Acts, we read about many people believed. The Lord added to their numbers daily as we're being saved. Great numbers believed. You'll see it over and over again. The gospel is powerful because it really works. It is the greatest news for mankind since the creation of man. Well, what did the people believe? And why? What is the gospel? Well, you've been sharing after the sermons in the past four weeks samples of the gospel to share with each other and also we can share with those outside. But today let's look at a nice summary in Acts chapter 10. It's what Peter told to Cornelius and Cornelius' household. We'll read from verse 36 to 43. 
Acts 10. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets <coughs> excuse me, be a witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's what they believed. And the gospel, to show its power, has come down all the way these 2,000 years to us here at Cross Point. <clears throat> I see people and I am a person <clears throat> whose life has been changed by the gospel. I don't know if I'd be so keen to know you if you carried on in your life without the gospel. The gospel saves us from sin. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. The focus is Jesus. Jesus saves. And why did they believe? First reason, they got the invitation. People shared the gospel with them. Secondly, the gospel is effective. The Holy Spirit works through the gospel and opens people's hearts. Those who heard judged the gospel to be true. They were willing to deny themselves to save their lives. They were willing to give up their pursuit of the world knowing it would profit them nothing. They were happy to come to Jesus. Their lives changed, their sin washed away and they all received rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit. Our personal experiences line up with that. As in past weeks, you have shared scriptures from the various gospels. So today, after the sermon, there'll be a chance for you to share with each other. And just keep in mind that the scriptures that you're sharing with us can also be used as ways to start off conversations 
with those who don't yet know the gospel. And so with that, we conclude our series. And I hope the gospel, the focus on the gospel has been a blessing to you as it has to me. Let's pray. Knowing the gospel, Father, we rejoice in you as God, our Savior. You have changed our lives, you've changed our eternal destination through the good news of Jesus. For you so loved the world that you gave your only Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Grant us the fullness of the Spirit, the knowledge of the Gospel, and the courage we need to share with others also. In Jesus' name, Amen.